Why, hello there. It's Chappie, and I'm indeed a British butler, and it's episode 52 of Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. And it's lovely to have you here, Friday. Welcome, it's Friday. Friday, thank God it's Friday. It's uh, It's been a rough one. Um, not as rough as last week, um, but uh, we're just sort of easing into the new year. You know, it's like those new pair of trousers that don't have any give in them and you're putting them on and you're just hoping they're going to get a little bit looser or was it too many Christmas puddings over Christmas that makes one long for an elasticated waist but you know what it's dressed to impress fashion is pain sometimes and they have to cut into the roll of fat sometimes the, the trousers you need to we need to we need to be more fashionable we need to dress to indeed impress and it's Friday that's what we would be doing we'd be going out with our significant others or on a date or with friends and we would try to dress to impress although I don't think in Colorado that is um, you know a massive thing I have to say there's a lot of uh, leisure or leisure wear that goes on lycra leggings for everybody um, ill-fitting hoodies um, bad shoes um, multicolored sneakers and trainers I'm, I'm guilty of those but I've sort of hidden them away and dispensed of them for the while but uh, yeah we're not very fashion forward um, well some of us are maybe towards downtown but there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of leisure wear now a leisure suit might be a might be a whole different matter that's something I could probably get behind you know the leisure suit is something that uh, you know, all flammable and crinkled, you know, big shoulder pads. I may be behind that. Could be behind that. So some of the things that we may or may not be talking about today, um, we're going to have another session in the garden. Um, it's going to be more podding in the potting shed. That's going to come up tomorrow, though, because we have two podcasts. Uh, we have a new feature, the Antique Grub Show, where I uh, really uh, delve into um, some of the um, foods, uh, accessories items of my youth that I think everybody had I, I discovered this on a on a on a Twitter feed that um, you know clocks bad ornaments food everybody was doing this in the 70s in the UK now it may be different here in the US because they had things like Twinkies now if I think of a Twinkie I think it sounds a little rude doesn't it you know you want to flash a Twinkie um, but no, it's a type of um, very bad for you cake that uh, that has no goodness in it whatsoever. Um, but the Americans have their side. You know, we had our bird's eye custard. But there's some of the things that we'll be uh, talking about, and I think this will become, you know, a fairly uh, fairly regular feature on the uh, on the podcast. Um, I'm going to be talking about my avalanche of sweaters. Why don't men's jeans fit so well as ladies? Um, and my urge to um, to probably um, look for and, and ride on a on a digger or um, some sort of um, ride on lawnmower or something. But a real urge recently, or, 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 or maybe you know a small snowplow or something. I've seen, seen them around and about, and I sort of want to have a go in one. You know, just uh, just zoom down the road in a in a in, in some sort of digger or snowplow. Um, but we'll be talking about that uh, a little bit later. Uh, we'll also, uh, something new, something old, something borrowed, um, maybe another new feature that we could be having, 
but I'm dissecting a, a famous Yacht Rock song today um, as part of uh, something old, something new and something borrowed. And uh, we'll see uh, we'll see how that uh, comes along here. Um, how to create a capsule wardrobe. Vitamins to help our bodies or vitamins to help our bodies cope with winter is something else that uh, we may be looking at as well. The Boar War millionaire wins two-year fight versus wealthy neighbors over a garden tunnel. The elderly Bugatti kept its racy past uh, hidden. Must uh, men wear long trousers at work? The answer is no. John Major's online googly. A meat-free month isn't the best choice for our planet, apparently, allegedly. Um, Catholic priest Father Michael Schmitz, daily podcast of the Bible tops the digital audio. And, uh, and also, um, how come the German influences, the woman putting Dusseldorf on the fashion map as well? Um, Rebecca Vardy's in the news as well. She's one of these wags, uh, wives married to famous footballers. Uh, she's, uh, she gave a nice little uh, interview uh, in the London Times over the weekend. Um, nobody's wearing their high heels during lockdown. Come on now, slip on your stilettos. I have a pair on at the moment. Um, and the natural nasal spray could stop viruses before it actually enters the body. Um, how to survive the lockdown? 20 fun ways to kill an hour. Uh, also, um, I don't know if we'll look at the Danish cartoon character Willy Man. He has a large penis and it's what he does with it that counts. Um, and uh, why the dry January hick is the last thing we need this year. Um, more... Um, more social dilemmas that I've had, more advertising, people trying to sell me stuff that really probably they shouldn't be selling me because I'm the wrong audience as well. We have uh, also some uh, headline uh, darts in Trump and Trombone. Um, we uh, also have another enigmatic English eccentric and uh, we, I think maybe a little bit of historical tender as well. Welcome along, make yourselves very, very comfortable indeed. Um, I think, you know, as I said today, you can have your slippers on, but put on a nice shirt or maybe a little cocktail dress if you're that way inclined. Um, and, uh, and you know, sit upright, help, you know, sort your posture out today. I think that could be the Friday thing this week as is a dress to impress. Make us feel a little bit better. Don't take off those lounge pants or those sweat pants or, or Crocs or whatever you're wearing at the moment. And... Uh, you know, remember how we used to dress before all this happened. Um, but anyway, settle, settle in, and uh, and I will provide you some uh, rather whimsical entertainment over the next hour. So Marks and Spencer's, the UK store, is selling one vegan salt beef sandwich every 30 seconds. Veganuary has seen a whole host of new vegan additions arriving on the shelves in supermarkets, and one sandwich has been a runaway success for Marks and Spencer's. Thousands of people sign up every year to give up, uh, give up meat, dairy, animal products, and uh, you vote sort of a noticing increase in plant-based products. Uh, Marks and Spencer, the vegan rage called the Plant Kitchen. One of the biggest successes has been their vegan version of a salt beef sandwich. And they're saying one is being sold every 30 seconds. So it's on a pretzel roll. Uh, no salt beef. So is there no beef or no salt or no salt and no beef? Um, describe it as being made of succulent marinated wheat and vegetable protein, a tart sauerkraut, carrot, spring onion slaw, pickled dill cucumber, mustard dressing and coconut based cheese on a pretzel uh, pretzel roll people are saying it's 10 out of 10 i was blown away by this salt beef deli sandwich maybe the best thing i've ever tasted 
Um, they also have the plant uh, vegan chocolate chip cookie, a soft, gooey, vegan-friendly cookie uh, packed with Belgian chocolate chips. Even better. Uh, they're only 70, 75 pence, uh, about a dollar. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know about this, you see. I, I, I have tried the um, vegan sausage roll. Uh, and I thought that was quite good. I know Piers Morgan isn't into the whole vegan. He wants, you know, a real sausage in his mouth. Um, but um, but but who knows? I mean, I don't know if I'd have a salt beef sandwich anyway, to be honest, whether it be made of a cow or made of uh, a fake cow or wheat or whatever. Um, but uh, but, you know, I'm willing to give it a try. And uh, as I said, it's it's one of the one of the big hits of the year so far. Um Again, uh, the vegan sausage roll was quite good. Other vegetarian sausages, I don't know if I'm too into them. It's all about the seasoning, I think, with, uh, with vegan food. All about the seasoning is the key to make it delicioso. So nobody's been able to take anybody out to the ball game recently, baseball-wise, uh, in the last year. Um, but uh, a call out on social media for a game of catch in Dallas drew a varied group of strangers who found escape from society's turbulence in the most banal ritual. In Dallas, for a couple of days in early January, Frank Miller wandered around his house holding a baseball, practicing the grips for a slider, curve, cutter. He read the book about pitching and, and now is obsessed. He needed to play catch. So his wife, Alice, uh, more adept on social media, posted on next door, my 74-year-old husband would like a partner to throw the ball with. He is a former high school and college pitcher and is looking for a catcher. Uh, a picture, look, picture looking for catch. I think he may be on the wrong website here. Who knows how to throw a baseball? She volunteered that husband is in very good shape. In a, in a world with its cover torn off, the idea of a man in his eighth decade yearning for a baseball buddy seemed to spark something in people. My son's interested, woman quickly replied. A steady flow of messages followed. I can throw, a man said. I'd love to catch, another said. What a wonderful way to bring people together and start 2021 with a positive note, another neighbor wrote. This makes me smile. Um, but also, by confessing his own need, Frank had unwittingly tapped into the longing of others, of getting together, socially distanced getting together, wearing the mask, having the glove on, uh, and throwing the baseball around as well. Um, but, I mean, it's, it's something that we, we, we miss. We're, 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 we've been socially distanced uh, for so long, and something as simple as uh, throwing a baseball around has got a community together. And uh, I think it's, uh, it's a very warm, uh, warm story in the New York Times and uh, one, I, one I very much enjoyed. The question is, though, I mean, I quite like baseball. Uh, I find it, I find it an interesting game. It's quite a slow game, and I love cricket, which, is, uh, which could be even slower. I think there's more, uh, more uh, probably rules and uh, complexities to, to cricket than baseball. Um, I would argue. Uh, again, um, people could debate me uh, till the cows come home, um, but I do think uh, I, I, you know, I do prefer cricket. But I do appreciate baseball. But I wonder if I turned up in all whites with my um, bat that looks more like a paddle. If he would, uh, if he'd chuck a few balls at me, uh, dear Frank in uh, in Dallas, um, because uh, you know I would, you know, I might bring some afternoon tea along as well and. Uh, a teapot or something, or, or probably a, maybe a flask with uh, some PG tips in it might be uh, might be the order of the day uh, when it comes to uh, uh, an afternoon, uh, him throwing a baseball at me or something. Um, but uh, but a nice warm story, uh, and certainly warm the cockles of the heart. 
Okay, so we have the good jumper guide, or sweater guide. This is jumpers in the UK, sweaters in America, jumpers something that a baby would wear. And I think if I said I'm wearing a jumper in the US, they may think I have an all-in-one little baby suit that I'm uh, trying to uh, fit all of my rather rotund body into. Um, but the Good Jumper Guide, High Street Finds, the Best Cashmere, and How to Look After It. In High Street Cashmere, is High Street Cashmere actually any good? The holy grailing of shopping. Uh, the key to buying High Street knitwear is not to go for the cheapest jumper. It'll lose shape and texture after a few weeks. Saying that, um, I do like a, a classic cashmere crew neck, um, and it's uh, going to be in your wardrobe season after season. Uh, sometimes it pays to look for the smaller independent brands for competitive prices. After all, an oversized cashmere roll neck uh, will st still set you back £175, $200. For something more unique, look to the Waste Yarn Project. The Paris-based team used discarded yarns to create a one-of-a-kind statement genres. How about vintage? A stylish friend swears by eBay and sets alerts for second-hand autograph by Marks & Spencers. She also recommends Portobello Market in uh, Notting Hill. Apparently, it's a cashmere man who travels from Manchester each week with a stealth stash. Uh, he, he says, I also love uh, retail vintage in Brighton, uh, which sells online too. Uh, my best advice, invest in a knee bobbler. It'll breathe life into a vintage jumper. Uh, but the vote goes to the British brand Connolly, whose cashmere is made in Scotland. Knitwear geeks will pour over the details rather than the whole garment method, a.k.a. knitting a jumper in one piece. Uh, Connolly takes a handcrafted approach to sleeves and trims, rib collars and cuffs, and sure no drafts. Um, so what's the real difference between cashmere and a regular jumper? Cashmere has exceptional temperature regulating properties. It's up to eight times more insulating than a regular sheep's wool. It'll keep you warm in the coldest of weather. Uh, but above all, cashmere has firmer regulation properties, which means if you wear, your body temperature will remain unchanged in all weather conditions. Now, that's what I need to wear in the summer when I'm trying to cover up a wrinkled shirt. How should I store my knitwear? Hangers are not your friend. Fold, fold, fold. Uh, and the dreaded M word, how do I avoid moths? According to the experts, knitwear should never be retired to the back of your wardrobe or uh, attic. Sometimes uh, in the summer as moss breed in dark places. Instead, keep jumpers folded on light, well-ventilated shelves. Uh, space is an issue. Uh, find breathable bags that allow air to circulate. Lavender oil is traditionally preventative. Or try a total wardrobe care of cedarwood. Uh, they absolutely hate that. How do you wash a wool jumper? A valid fear. I've uh, lifted uh, far too many baby-sized jumpers out of my washing machine over the years, tried to stretch them over my knees. I've asked for tips for, uh, uh, from um, many people, uh, but heard a, made, uh, a brand made in England uses 100% traceable wool from sheep's farmers. Wool knits need less washing than cotton or synthetic, as wool is naturally breathable and adapts to your body temperature, meaning you sweat less. The wool fibre also doesn't absorb smells in the same way, so simply airing it out will often work. If you do need to wash a knit, a quick hand wash with a drop or two of natural wool detergent, save yourself from millions of rinses by using a mineral amount, or a cold, uh, a gentle cycle in a washing machine should do the trick. Never ever dry clean. Um, and uh, hand washing cashmere, you should never wash, even, uh, even if there's a delicate wool program in your washing machine. Uh, the baby method is best. When bathing a baby, you test the water with your elbow, and from there, you know if the water is good, good temperature. I mean, some of my te um, some of my sweaters, I actually feel are like babies. I treat them like a child. 
means I don't want to ruin them. So, you know, it's very delicate, and I often call them by names, and coochie coochie coo, you be a nice sweater, no, no little bobbles on there or anything. Um, so, you know, I often do that with, uh, with the sweaters as well. But I did have a little bit of an issue this morning. I did one of my many issues, obviously, uh, rushing around on a Friday morning. I did have an avalanche of sweaters. Now, I have to admit, I'm not the best at folding one's sweaters, um, and uh, I have many of them. Probably hundreds of sweaters that uh, that uh, that are in my uh, in my wardrobe or in my closet, and um, now and again I'm looking for one and I'm reaching for the bottom and the whole lot came tumbling down and I think literally 150 sweaters tumbled down upon me uh, this uh, this morning, and uh, and and I had to gather them all up. It was uh, it was like trying to traverse the north side of the Eiger. Um, because uh, there, there was a load of sweaters. I couldn't actually get back to the closet. There were that many sweaters. Uh, I should have checked for moths, I suppose, and should have sprinkled some lavender oil over them to protect them, I suppose. That might have been a good idea as well. Um, but uh, that's going to be a weekend pursuit of folding sweaters. And as I say, not, I'm not the best, and, uh, and I don't know how neat they're going to be, and uh, I'm probably going to get another alp- alpine-like avalanche uh, of sweaters, uh, coming up to a closet near you very soon. Must men wear long trousers at work? The shorter answer is no. There are moments, Jeeves, when one asks oneself, do trousers matter? Bertie Worcester ponders in P.D. Wood's house the code of the Worcesters as he struggles to dress for the day. The mood will pass, sir, his thoughtful valet assures him. The question of corduroys caused Tony Blair's advisor, uh, Alistair Campbell and Peter Mandelson to almost come to blows in the Brighton hotel room. Uh, asked whether the prospective Prime Minister should dress casually or wear a suit and tie. Mr Blair Blair had to separate the two, but history does not record uh, what he latter wore. Uh, Lord Manderson put aside the garment uh, when he was photographed taking his dog for a walk. Uh, In the latest disagreement, a a judge at an employment tribunal has given a ruling on whether trousers or the length of them matter for men. In a ruling that would send shivers down the spine of Johnny Rose, a patriarch of uh, Schitt's Creek, who cannot abide his son three-quarter length trousers or colostomy pants, uh, the judge decided that uh, if a female employee did not have to wear a full-length uh, pair, then neither should men. Uh, judge Alan Johnson ruled that Boots, the high, ta- uh, high street retailer, discriminated against a male staff member when he was told that he uh, could not wear three-length quarter trousers in the summer. Uh, Mukud Mir, a worker at the warehouse in Preston, was told that he had broken the company's dress code by failing to cover the lower parts of his leg. Uh, Mr Mir complained that women he worked with were routinely allowed to wear leggings and trousers that were not full length. My, my thing is, um, now I do have, and I think I've told you, the listener, uh, that I do have a very short leg. Very long back, very short leg. So I often get uh, trousers, legs that are probably too short for me like 27 inch leg or something like that and that's not the length of my leg my legs more like 29 30 inch leg which is still pretty short for six foot two um but the thing is i don't mind a short trouser but it can show off a rather garish sock so for these people working from bed is actually great for years sleep experts have held one piece of common wisdom above all else the devices have no place in the bedroom. Yet since the pandemic began in March, millions of Americans defied that guidance and began working preciously where they sleep. They have drafting legal documents, producing events, holding client calls, coding, emailing, studying, and writing all from under the covers. 
this wasn't always the plan. Early on, many of them invested in desks and other equipment meant to make their homes ergonomically sound and office-like uh, office as possible. But when New York shut down in March, uh, Vanessa Anderson set up a small desk for herself in the living room. She was working for an agency that manages private chefs and wanted to keep a semblance of separation from work and sleep. For a while, I was really committed not to working from my bedroom at all. Uh, in May, though, Anderson moved her desk into her bedroom for more light. My bed was just uh, sitting there and taunting me, she said. But she set ground rules for herself. She would only get into bed after 2 p.m. Uh, but then the start time shifted earlier and earlier. Come July, her bed had become her full-time office. I wonder if she's actually on Zoom calls whilst in bed. You know, she could put one of those uh, background that makes her look like she's in the Bahamas or the foothills of the Himalayas or something, and nobody would ever know the difference, I suppose. Um, I have heard, though, that um, some children on Zoom calls uh, have used a, a background picture of themselves just being still on a computer and then they're going out gaming. Uh, that's the latest trend, apparently, these sneaky little uh, Gen Zers uh, who, uh, who, you know, not doing their online schooling. Uh, they're using, uh, um, you know, either pictures of, the, of them uh, at work as their background picture that makes everybody think they're on the call or probably some sort of uh, mannequin or something along those lines. So the Danish cartoon character Willy Man has a large penis but it's what he does with it that counts. The hero of a new TV show could change the way British children and parents think about their bodies. The news that a Danish equivalent of a, a BBC has launched a cartoon about a man with enormous and controllable penis has caused considerable pearl clutching consternation among the critics. The first episode in which the eponymous hero inadvertently sets fire to himself while trying to light a barbecue with an extensive uh, prehensile appendage has already been watched 200,000 times, uh, a rating success. Uh, but John Dillamond, which loosely translates as John Williamon, is the creation of Jacob Lee, an author who created his swashbuckling character uh, to entertain his children at bedtime. Each episode follows a simple philosophical arc. John's penis gets him into trouble, and then uh, it sounds like sort of stories of Bill Clinton, and then gets him into, uh, then gets him out of it again. It helps recapture a dog. He was supposed to be walking in the park. It retrieves an oven from a lake. It becomes a rotor blade and flies him all over town. It tames a lion, and there, so to speak, is a happy ending. Uh, some critics have obviously uh, complained about it, uh, but most people have found it uh, hilarious. Some children have asked their dads, "Have you ever tied a knot in your willy?" Um, do people trim their hedges naked, Daddy? Um, and then, uh, then some people obviously are thinking it rather sort of sketchy, I suppose. Um, but uh, a reader of the Times last week uh, said that the story of the Danish penis cartoon reminded him of a rhyme he had his friends used to sing as kids. My friend Billy had a 10-foot willy. He showed it to the girl next door. She thought it was a snake, hit it with a rake, and that's now it's only four foot four. So we have a new feature, the Anglo Antique Arc. And we're going to be looking at objects from one's youth, uh, things that have been forgotten, probably best forgotten in some cases, uh, things that we're nostalgic about, uh, things that we ate that we cannot get anymore, that probably have so many additives and preservatives um, it could uh, kill a cockroach. Um, but uh, then sort of antique clocks, um, bad ornaments, uh, things that we saw just in the 70s, maybe rather dodgy lava lamps. Uh, but we're going to have, we're going to kick it off um, the next few weeks with food that we remember. 
So, the Frey Bentos pie. So, how can one describe the Frey Bentos pie? Um, now, this is basically a pie in a can that was very, very popular in the 1970s in the UK. And you can actually still buy it today. You can get it on Amazon. It's rated 4.1 out of 5. And you can buy these uh, pies that you uh, basically cut off the top. And uh, you have a, a, a number of different uh, ingredients. And um, they're, uh, they're all in a tin can. Uh, the Frey Bentos pie, a savoury pies, come in a pie-shaped sealed tin. Uh, weighing uh, 475 grams, that's 17 ounces. The tin is lined with uncooked puff pastry dough. Filling is put in, then a top layer of puff pastry put on top. To eat them, you cut off the top of the tin, and then you bake them right in their tin for the oven for the next 35 minutes. The puff pastries and browns, and the filling heats up inside. Uh, flavors that are available are minced beef, uh, an onion, steak and kidney, uh, steak and mushroom, steak and ale, uh, chicken and mushroom, uh, they do have a little gravy in them as well. The tin pies are easy to store and they last forever. Uh, you can use the rotary can opener to open it, leaving the rim. The pastry looks soggy when you first open the tin, but it will come out perfect when it is cooked. And it's founded in the town of Frey Bentos in Uruguay in 1859. I guess it's sort of a pot pie empanada type of thing, but it was very, very big in the 1970s. Everybody uh, was indeed eating the uh, Frey Bentos pie in the 1970s um, so we move along from the pie and then we look at um, two Heinz soups uh, that I mean this looks old in the 1970s to me you've got a genuine turtle soup and then you've got uh, kidney soup as well um, these are two other options as well uh, where you could uh, eat either a turtle soup or, um, or a kidney soup um, mock turtle soup was created in the 18th century as a cheaper imitation of green turtle soup it often uses the brains and organ meats such as a calf's head or calf's foot to duplicate the texture and flavour of the original turtle meat uh, the kidney soup somebody on twitter says was gorgeous I wish they still made it uh, other people say what happened to the kidney soup kidney soup is great a staple of my birthday dinner um, so I think that was probably in the uh, in the 1950s they had the uh, had the turtle soup and the kidney soup, um, but it's, uh, it seemed more like uh, the era of Victorian age and maybe Jack the Ripper. Um, that sounds like more the sort of kidney soup days, I think. Okay, so we have something old, something new, something borrowed, and we're going to be pulling apart. The Pina Colada Song by Rupert Holmes. And uh, looking at a song that's classic, Yacht Rock, and um, how it really sort of fits into the modern world, if indeed it does. Um, it's a song about a gentleman who was tired of his lady, and uh, they'd been together too long, like a worn-out recording of a favourite song. Um, so he read the paper in bed, and in the personal columns there was a letter he read so he's looking in the personal columns and somebody liked rather fruity pina coladas i don't know if there's a parasol in there or not a little coconutty um but she liked uh, pina coladas and getting caught in the rain and getting all wet and not having a change of clothes um she didn't like yoga so she wouldn't have liked the leisure wear that uh, one has these days um 
that everybody seems to be wearing. So no leisure wear, but a modicum of intelligence. All ladies like a little bit of intelligence and uh, maybe a sense of humour as well. Um, but also quite forward. She liked making love at midnight in the dunes on the Cape. So uh, wasn't fearful of a sandy crack um, or anything along those lines. Um, and uh, she wanted to look for her man who wanted to frolic around in the sandscapes in Cape Cod or wherever it is. Um, but, uh, you know, this gentleman had fallen into the same old dull routine. So he wrote to the paper and took out a personal ad and uh, replied to the lady saying that he liked coconutty pina coladas and like creamy uh, cocktail drinks. Likes getting wet, doesn't need a change of clothes, doesn't depreciate health food either, so no uh, quinoa for, for him. Um, I mean, these days, I mean, you'd be eating the quinoa, maybe a sushi roll and some kombucha. The thing is, though, if you're like frolicking around on a sand dune and you're drinking kombucha and there is no amenities or bathrooms or, you know, little boys' rooms around, I, I would be a little fearful after drinking kombucha uh, sort of loosens everything up. It could be sort of rather embarrassing on a first date if you're frolicking around on in the dunes and, um, you know, you've had rather too many shots of kombucha. Um, taking it to the modern day style, I guess. Um, but, uh, but the, the, you know, the moral of the story is when he met the lady in the dunes at midnight, I don't know if they were going to make love that first date. It was actually the lady's actually going out with. So that wouldn't happen now on Tinder. You get to see every part of them before you even meet them. So, um, you know, you probably would have slight swipe left if, you know, modern day, if he had uh, seen it. But, it, you know, he decided that actually, uh, you know, he enjoyed meeting the lady in the sand dunes and she was rather more exciting than he first realized the lady he was dating. So, um, who knows? Um, but uh, there was no uh, there was no FaceTiming before the date. Uh, there was uh, there was no sort of uh, background checks or reference checking before the date. They just met met at the Cape and frolicked in the dunes. I wonder if they actually took a picnic with them though. Um, they probably needed an ice box there for champagne. I mean, these days though, um, you know the lady might have been allergic to sugar or something. Wouldn't be able to sip the champagne. So we live in more complicated times. I think that's what I'm trying to say. And it is easy to reply to a newspaper and. Uh, and uh, meet up with uh, a possible new friend or partner and, uh, and, uh, and drink champagne rather than eating quinoa or kombucha or uh, a green tea uh, whipped latte. Um, but that's the pina colada song in an essence. But I think I would, uh, I would enjoy a coconutty pina colada to a rather rancid kombucha any day. Okay, so we have this week an enigmatic Irish eccentric. So Irish huntsman Robert Watson was a prolific slayer of foxes and in 1879 had an epiphany when his horse fell at the hazardous fence and broke its neck, according to the author and historian Turtle Banbury. Uh, another horse jumping next to him met the precisely the same fate, while a third horse dropped dead just as it reached the fence. This somehow served to convince Watson that one day he would be reincarnated as a fox. Watson, whose grandfather is credited with blame for killing the last 
uh, Irish uh, wild fox in Marshall County Carlo was a master of the Carlo and Island hunt so he had some knowledge of what foxes like. His family lived at Larshall in County Kildare where his readiness for his reincarnation uh, begins. Bob designed a knobbly grass-covered mound shaped exactly uh, like, a, like a fox's earth and whacked it bang in the midst of Larshell's beautiful Arcadian gardens. He pitched a rough semi-columned temple on top and ensured the mound was full of useful escape tunnels which one could uh, carefully taper so that a fox could zip through but slightly a bigger hound could not. Shrewdly in his last will and testament, Watson uh, future-proofed his reincarnation and banned fox hunting in perpetuity. Um, th th the funny thing about this was, um, so uh, I, I talked a few weeks about about seeing a magpie and it basically said you should not be so obsessed with uh, material goods that was the, that was the the sign the spiritual sign uh, that one should not be uh, uh, not should be obsessed with uh, with spiritual goods um, but I did see um, in the week I think it was Monday night I was walking the corgi and the border collie and I saw a beautiful urban fox and it made me think, what does it mean when a fox crosses your path? So from ancient times, people were attracted by foxes. The Aztec Empire, ancient Greece, Native American tribes. Almost no civilization has been intrigued, has not been intrigued by the, this magnificent animal. So what does it mean when a fox crosses your path? Um, as a wild relative of a dog known for its cunning and courage, the fox has always been in the human's enclosure. Unlike some believe, seeing a fox is a good sign. Usually it means that your troubles are about to end. It could also be a sign that finally you see a new perspective in your life. Uh, in the further text, we'll, uh, it looks into symbolism and reveals some of the interesting facts uh, about foxes as well. Um, losing someone is a heavy thing, um, but seeing a fox after someone dies is a sign that the spirit of a beloved person continues uh, to live on. Um, but uh, unlike some African tribes where it's believed that if one happened to meet a fox or one happened to cross uh, someone's uh, fox's way while walking home, it's not a good thing. Um, that person would not reach home uh, without reaching a witch or a thief. The most common beliefs are that if a fox crosses your path, uh, that'll bring you some very, very good luck. So there we see. We'll see if, uh, if, if the luck changes in 2021, not just for me, but for everybody. Okay, so we have another little session of Trample Trombone. We take some of the worst headlines of the week, uh, some rather odd, some particularly funny, some just bizarre, and some pretty disgusting, and we equate them to a trump or a trombone. Both are pretty bad. The wah-wah trombone or the trumpet is pretty bad, obviously, as well. Uh, so we're equating it to, like, that's a foghorn trump, and there's our little trombone there going. Um, so first up uh, this week, uh, presenting itself on the pedestal, um, is, a, is a rather lovely story um, from one of the most uh, inimitable British newspapers, the Daily Star. Uh, SpaceX, uh, SpaceX capsule set to bring first crate of space age wine back to Earth. The SpaceX Dragon successfully unlocked uh, undocked from the International Space Station on Tuesday and is heading back to Earth with the first crate of space age wine on board. Uh, if you're after a truly out of this world glass of vino, uh, then you might be in luck with the SpaceX is to bring the first crate of space-aged wine back to Earth. Um, it's, uh, 
It's coming back, uh, I think, landed on uh, on Tuesday the 12th. Their upgraded uh, Dragon spacecraft executed the first undocking of a U.S. commercial cargo craft um, as an extended stay. Um, uh, Victor Glover, the first black astronaut, uh, made this extended stay upon, uh, aboard the ISS. Um, but it will be the first crate of space-aged wine which was shipped to the International Space Station in November 29. So a fine 2019 vintage, uh, good nose, very fruity, very full body, and uh, astronomical indeed in taste. Um, it's part of an experiment launched by the Luxembourg-based startup company. Our goal is to tackle the solution of how we're going to have agriculture tomorrow that's both organic and healthy and able to feed humanity. Let's just hope it wasn't corked, because if it was corked uh, with gravity, it would be going absolutely everywhere. Um, but in this case, uh, it could be a Chateauneuf de Pluteur. Um, I, will, I wonder if it will have anti-aging properties. Um, but uh, I think the Saturn Shiraz will run rings around the other planet's wines. And then we have the world's worst waxwork museum. So bad, visitors can't even recognise the celebrities, including Princess Diana. Hilarious waxwork impressions of late celebrities have been unveiled by a church in Brazil with almost life-size figurines of popes that can be found on either side of the, uh, of the altar. Princess Diana, Nelson Mandela, Elvis Presley among... Uh, what might be the world's worst celebrity waxwork museum. A church in Brazil has reportedly opened its own tourist attraction, but visitors are likely queuing up for all the wrong reasons. It's unlikely Madame Dussault's expert sculptors will be less fearing for their jobs. A local news reported the waxworks had uh, viewers and stitches of prominent figures at the Catholic Church were remembered besides the likes of Charlie Chaplin and Marilyn Monroe. Twitter user David Paxton shared the news footage and said the Brazilian church decided to do its own, uh, own mini waxwork museum. So the news turned up and did a piece, and now I've lost my shit. Uh, the commentary really makes it. Uh, somebody commented on the Princess Diana work, which is the most offensive uh, than any debate about an episode of The Crown. Another wrote, I'll never see Ayrton Senna in the same light as he used to be as well. Um, and then uh, we had uh, other state uh, late stars include German scientist Albert Einstein, John F. Kennedy, Mahatma Gandhi. My God, these are bad. My jaw hit the floor when Elvis I saw Elvis. I nearly fell over when I uh, saw Nelson Mandela. Um, you uh, you would you might think that Elvis was indeed Johnny Cash, and Marilyn Monroe's uh, wax figure is going to give me nightmares. But to be honest, looking at these, Diana does look like a little bit like Camilla. Uh, or the American lady off the weakest link. Elvis does look like Johnny Cash. Hopefully he doesn't have a ring of fire or he might get all shook up. <coughs> and villagers flock to worship a mutant cow born with five legs to bring them good luck. Um, a deformed calf born with five legs has become a local celebrity with superstitious villagers arriving all around to worship it. Footage shows villagers gathering on a field to take uh, turns uh, touching the unusual looking cow in the Sarin province of northeast Thailand. The camera pans to show the poor cow with the extra leg can be uh, protruding from its back. Its fifth leg also has two hooves. Incredibly, the two-year-old uh, calf named Kamku is otherwise healthy and pot around field grazing with its mother. Um, I mean, in this case, uh, it, it's not a good look. Um, it sort of looks like sort of Dirk Diggler, a cow with an extra leg. Um, but isn't it a sort of bovine biblical sign of the end of the world or something or another outbreak of mad cow disease or something? And finally, they are one sandwich short of a picnic. Uh, there's fear at pathetic nitpicking. Uh, Dutch police strip the ham out of a lorry driver's lunch and tell him welcome to Brexit in import crackdown. 
Um, there's footage of Dutch TV showing border officials confiscating a ham sandwich. Officers spark fury after officers were filmed laughing at a British truck driver while confiscating his ham sandwiches in line with post-Brexit import rules. Welcome to Brexit, sir, one of the officers mockingly said. Can you take the meat and leave me the bread? Uh, footage of the Dutch TV show the border officials confiscating sandwiches and other foodstuffs and drivers entering the Netherlands from the, uh, from the UK. The EU doesn't allow for meat, meat products, milk or dairy products to be brought in from other countries. Um, so, I mean, in this case... I mean, I would give the, the guards the, the ham sammy, without a doubt. He could have the ham sammy. I'm not a huge ham sammy fan. But if he confiscated my collector's edition of Percy Pig Chewy Candy sweets, that would just be the end. The reason being that Brexit red tape threatens Percy Pig supplies as Marks and Spencer's sales slide. A supply of Percy Pigs is under threat in Irish stores after Marks and Spencer's uh, sounded the alarm about new import taxes following the UK's, uh, UK's post-Brexit trade deal. The Pink Sweets, a favourite of customers, are among 2,000 products hit by complex trade rules. Uh, Percy Pigs are made in Germany and then delivered to the UK. If they're uh, re-exported without processing, they attract tariffs. So you've got tariff-laden Percy Pigs and, uh, and uh, ham sandwiches not being allowed to be eaten by British uh, truck drivers going into Holland. What is the world coming to, I have to say? But people are actually selling these Percy pigs uh, for like £50 online. So you can, get a, you can get a huge supply of Percy pigs, but people think that, uh, that uh, they're no longer going to be able to get their fix of the Percy pigs. And, uh, and they're going online on eBay and other uh, auction sites uh, trying to uh, stockpile as many Percy pig packets as possible. And say that after a couple of jars. Ladies and mantelpieces, thank you for listening to the podcast. Uh, keep cheese on Twitter. Keep con cauliflower cheese on Instagram. Uh, like and subscribe, as always, uh, across uh, Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, TuneIn, all of those uh, platforms. And uh, I'll be back tomorrow for a, a bumper edition. You know, extra tea in the morning to uh, perk myself up. Maybe I'll bring a flask upstairs so I can have a second cup. And, uh, and join you, all you lovelies, uh, for the podcast tomorrow. But we finish with a nice uh, hopeful poem, Just Wait for the Sun. When everything's darkness and you feel so alone, when the rain doesn't stop and you can't make it home, when it feels all is lost and you just want to run, you can't. it can't rain forever, just wait for the sun. When family is pain, when friends can, can't be found, when you just want to scream but you can't find the sound, when it's all your fault, and you feel like you're done, just wait for the sun, the sunshine will come. The storm always passes, it won't last forever. The rain always stops and gives way to good weather. The brightest and warmest of days still to come. Please wait for the sun, the sunshine will come. People who need you, people who love you, can warm up your soul like the sunshine above you. You're never alone, no matter what's done. Wait for the sun, just wait for the sun. Dark clouds always pass, I promise you, hun. You're all, we're all waiting for you, just wait for the sun. Toodaloo for now. I'll be back tomorrow and uh, have a lovely, uh, lovely Friday evening and uh, maybe, you know, maybe uh, some nice warmed hot chocolate on the stove, lots of marshmallows and a good squirting of whipped cream.